Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 64. I'm your host, Chris Juarez. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out. Welcome in. Uh, I'm just excited to have you. You're excited to be back. Ready to talk some hockey here. Milo would like to also make an appearance here. All right, Milo, say hi. Say hi to everybody. Hi. Say hi. Hello. This is going to be the little demon here. I'm expecting him to pull the headset uh, wire at some point. Uh, so just just bear with him. He is doing there. I just I know it's been a minute, but if it's because I I sound if I sound weird, uh, it has nothing to do with the room that I am in. I have been dealing with a demon virus. I have no idea what my body has contracted. I'm slowly healing, uh, but it's definitely it's definitely been a process. So we, uh, you know, we have we are healthy enough to be able to do this. Got a jam-packed episode today. As, as always, we're going to go through everything that's happening in the hockey world. There, there's more than enough to go around. We can't even cover everything. We we have to get to only pieces of it. But, yeah, just happy to be here. If you, if you have no idea who I am or if you stumbled here by accident, A, welcome in. Big thanks to the algorithm for pulling you in here. Uh, AKA Fuzzy Chris 91 thank you for, uh, like I said, being here. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. Make sure you go ahead, click the link tree, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasting. If you're watching the YouTube video, thank you for finding YouTube, youtube.com slash at Slapshot Pod. Go ahead, hit the sub button, ring the bell. I appreciate you. Absolutely. So let's go through here the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just give me a second so I can hack up a lung. <coughs> there we go. All right, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's start with the good. A, it is November 11th today, which means it is Remembrance Day. So thank you to all of you who have served or who are currently serving, all the men and women. Thank you for your sacrifice to allow me to do what I do here. Always a massive W because we should celebrate you not just today, but every day for, this. like I said, the sacrifices that you put out and everything that you do. Not all heroes wear capes, and you are clearly heroes, so thank you for everything that you do. Also, the the good, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know how the Buffalo, uh, sorry, not the Buffalo Sabres, the Boston Bruins. I have no idea how the Boston Bruins are doing what they're doing. I stand behind my hot take. I know some of you are taking a victory lap after, after a couple of weeks. All right, season's still young. All right, settle down. We've still got time, all right? Uh, but the Vegas Golden Knights are an elite hockey team. There is a reason they are the defending Stanley Cup champions. They are elite in their own net. They are elite defensively up front. They have a lot of great players who can finish, score goals, lead by example, play well in their own zone, play well in all three zones. So it has been very nice to watch them uh, do what they do. And that is just, again, watching watching elite hockey teams play is always fun. So congratulations to those fan bases. Uh, it's been a great start to the year. Let's go straight into the bad. There's a whole bunch of things that I could have covered here. We could have talked about the Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorian getting fired because that happened. Uh, because he failed to submit proper documentation in the Evgeny Dodonov trade. That's right. Evgeny Dodonov played for Ottawa. He's played, I think, for three teams since. But the NHL finally handed out a first-round pick penalty, which is what the Ottawa Senators will have to give up either this year, 
2025 or 2026. Uh, the NHL once again reminding us uh, that if you're going to do something, don't be failure to submit correct paperwork. Uh, make sure it is in any way covering up sexual assault because that will only get you maybe a fine. A couple of guys might be fired, but they'll still find jobs either in hockey somewhere else or in the NHL. Uh, looking at you, the Chicago Blackhawks, you're still a dumpster fire of a hockey team. And I, I know a lot of people were tilted about that, as they should be, because the penalty for failure to submit proper documentation in a trade should not be more than a team that covered up sexual assault. So that is unfortunate. That is uh, a part of the bad. The number one bad I wanted to talk about was the Calgary Flames, specifically Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri. So for the longest time, we would blame Daryl Sutter. He was the problem. And then Daryl Sutter left. We saw the mood. Everybody was happy that he was not there, myself included. We were all waiting for Huberto to kind of find his game. And, and to say that he has not would be an understatement. He has exactly, let's take a look here. He has seven points in 13 games. Uh, he was benched against Nashville for the entire third period, played 14 minutes, then city ice in the third period. Clearly a message was being sent to him. Um, here's the part. I, I know that we don't talk about like plus minus. You, you know how I feel about plus minus. It is a meaningless stat. With the 1% exception of when it sticks out like a sore thumb for you. So, obviously, the Calgary Flames are not off to a great start. And there's players who are minus, you know, minus four, minus six, even up to minus seven. That's fine. Jonathan Huberto is a minus 13 alone. Like, Nazem Kadri is eight points. He's a minus 10. He's also a problem. But, like, what the fall for, for, for Jonathan Huberto has been massive here. Like, I don't think anybody expected him to put up the hundred and plus points that he did in Florida, his first year in Calgary, but we are watching a player who is at best right now, a 50 point player in the NHL. And he is collecting a bag to do that. And we know that he is a great passer. We know what he brings to the team. He has not done any of that. Right. And the minus 13 sticks out because the rest of the team is not that bad. You are specifically that bad. So that becomes a you problem. Something is wrong with Jonathan Huberto. And I think the experiment in Calgary is slowly falling apart to the point where you have to move him and you're going to get pennies on the dollar for it because that's the player that he is right now. I don't think he wants to be there. I don't think the team wants him to be there either. It's, it's not working. He's, and the old saying is that if you're not going to contribute offensively, then you at least got to be good defensively. And he is neither of those. He's not doing anything up front. And he is a massive L right now in his own zone. He can't play defense. He can't play offense. You can't sit him in the press box because, I mean, you've tried benching him. And let's see if that sends a message. He was decent against Toronto, but still, nowhere to the level that he should be. I don't know what's next for Huberto. I don't know what the team is going to do. I I can't see a scenario where they move him for something because what are you moving him for? What? Like you're selling extremely low on him. So at this point, you got to have to hold on to him and figure out what you're going to do with him and try to get more out of him and play him in different situations. But Jonathan Huber has got to figure it out, man, because a lot of people were banking on 
him having a bounce back year. And not only has he not bounced back, he looks like he is regressing. So we can no longer blame Daryl Sutter because he's not there anymore. Right. I was one of those people who thought this was going to be better since Sutter wasn't there, but that is not the case. So now it's the Calgary flames and the players on that team who have to step up and I don't know, just get good, like get better, do something. All right. That's the bad, the ugly, um, we're going to split this into two parts because one of it's going to be our main topic tonight, but the ugly is clearly the San Jose Sharks and that organization. We knew that San Jose was going to be bad. I didn't have them on paper being a team that was going to give up back-to-back 10 goal games, which is what they did. They gave up 10 to Pittsburgh and they gave up 10 to Vancouver. Right. And at that point, like Vancouver had scored 10 goals in one game and the Sharks had failed to score 10 goals all season. Now, since then, they have won two in a row to beat the Philadelphia Flyers and they beat the Edmonton Oilers. That's right. We're, we're going to get to you, Edmonton. Don't worry. Relax. We're getting there. Let me cook. But I mean, this, this is a. Like, they're a bad hockey team, and, and I don't think we're showing anybody. As of today, so this is Saturday. As of today, here's the San Jose Sharks. They are averaging 1.21 goals per game, okay? And they are allowing 4.43. This is a team that also doesn't shoot the puck. They're 2-11-1, and one, and they no, their, their goal differential uh, is the worst in the league, and it's not even close. They've scored 17 goals this season. They have allowed 62 goals, 62. That is, that is definitely, and it's, here's the thing though. If, if you're going to lose, that's fine. We know this is a rebuilding team. We know that. And we look at the roster and you go, it's not very good, but it's the way that you lose. That's more important. If you lose five, three every night or six, two, it happens. You're a bad hockey team. You put up some compete. You're like, all right. It is what it is. But when you're losing 7 8 nothing after two periods, you get blown out 10-1. Like you're not even showing up. Every single player on that team is committing wage theft against, against their employer because that's what the San Jose Sharks are. I am convinced that even though they've won two games, that they would lose to an AHL team. You take the best AHL team right now, you put them up against the San Jose Sharks. Not, like, not only is that game not supposed to be competitive, it would be competitive. And I think the AHL team could win. San Jose is just bad. And it's, it's tough for the fan base. Like, can you imagine spending any type of money to watch that in person? Like, I don't even want to watch it on TV. I do because I'm a degenerate. And I play DFS. And I, I gamble on sports. But there is no other... Like, why are you watching them? This is a bad, bad team. They are an embarrassment to the NHL. I don't know what, I don't think this team, again, they've won two in a row, okay? I don't think they win 15 games all year. I don't. I don't think they beat, here's the thing. They beat an Eastern Conference team that was not very good. And they beat the Edmonton Oilers, who, by the way, are the second worst team in the NHL. I know, hold on, Edmonton, we're going to get there, okay? Just bear with me. But it's not saying much. The San Jose Sharks are going to play teams that are better, and they are going to lose every single time, and they're going to get blown open doing it, and it's embarrassing. You imagine if they don't even get the first overall pick? You imagine they lose the lottery? 
Imagine being so bad you also fail at losing and getting the first overall pick. So just shame on the San Jose Sharks for being the organization that they are. Not very good. It's it's terrible to watch them play hockey. And my apologies to all seven San Jose Shark fans out there, uh, including the fans who have adopted this team as their fan, as their as their team, because maybe you live in the Bay Area. Uh, it's just it's unfortunate. So that being said, let's tackle the second part here of it. Right. The main topic here is obviously the Edmonton Oilers and everything that's going on, because a lot of people had them as the team that was going to win. Not like not only win the Pacific, but challenge for a Stanley Cup. And as of right now, okay, Saturday, uh, here's the Edmonton Oilers are two nine and one. They've scored 31 goals, which is decent, which is not even that great. Okay. They've allowed 50, okay? The Edmonton Oilers are averaging 2.58 goals per game, which is not great, okay? I, I, let's go through a list here of teams right now scoring more goals than the Edmonton Oilers. You ready for this? The Columbus Blue Jackets, the Seattle Kraken, the Nashville Predators, the Canadiens of Montreal. There you go. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks, the Arizona Coyotes, the Philadelphia Flyers. That's not... That's not that's not a good list to be a part of, okay? It's not a good list. This, we know that the Edmonton Oilers are, a, are an offensive, happy team. I don't think we're telling anybody something that they don't know. And look, there are some players who have done well offensively. Zach Hyman has 10 points in 12 games. It's pretty good. Evan Bouchard has 11 points in 12 games. He's been deep. Evander Kane is 9 and 12. Those are good numbers for support players. The problem is, is McDavid and Dreisaitl have been average. Or I would say average. I, I'd say they are good, right? They're on the same level as Hyman and the rest of the gang. Even Ryan Nugent Hopkins, same thing. He's not on a 100-point pace, but he's doing what he needs to do. Nine points in 12 games puts you on a pretty decent pace. The problem is, Mc, here's the thing. Ryan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has three goals. Ryan, McDavid has two. He has two goals this season. Two. And... Leon Dreisaitl has been a little bit better. He's got five goals, 10 assists, 15 points, which is fine. But man, when you watch Leon Dreisaitl talk to the media, there was one where some guy talks to him. He's like, excellent observation. I'm sure you've seen the clip. If you haven't, go watch it. He looks frustrated. And obviously I would be frustrated too because every season it's the same thing for the Edmonton Oilers, except now you're off to a god-awful start. And there is nothing you can really do about it because you failed to commit to playing defense. The Edmonton Oilers are now experiencing what the Toronto Maple Leafs experienced. That's right, Leafs Nation. Don't think you're going to get away here. That's right. Don't think, don't think you're going to get away with it. You guys employ John Klingberg, okay? You're terrible goaltending, terrible defense. We know you can score goals, but there's no commitment to defense. None. Zero. Nada. This team, the, the Edmonton Oilers do not commit to playing team defense. And this is what you get. I'm going to show you a clip, hoping I don't get uh, DMACT here. But this is against the San Jose Sharks. Remember the San Jose Sharks? Remember we're talking about them? Okay. This is against the San Jose Sharks. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys just the commitment to defense and the lack of it. All right. This is the second period. It's 1 1. Okay. Already, people are panicking. So, 
I want to move this a little bit. No sound, like I said, so we don't get DMACT here. Uh, right? I don't have ex the express written consent of the National Hockey League, so we're going to keep this a secret. Okay? Uh, let me move this a little bit forward here. Da -da -da. All right. Let's start here. Okay? Actually, let's start a little bit back here. All right. Let's move this a little bit forward. All right? Now, I'm no, I'm no NHL coach. But I think I've spotted the problem, okay? Let's see. First is take a look at the player in the middle. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. If you're on the YouTube, go, go watch the YouTube. If here, I'll, I'll try to describe it. Sam Gagne here. Now, I'm not expecting much from Sam Gagne in his, what, third, fourth stint here in Edmonton? But if you move it just a little bit forward here, he tries to make the play, and then he just bails. He turns right. Instead of going heading towards the defensive zone, after he's missed his stick check, all right? I, ask me why, I don't know. But he's taken himself out of the play. Let's advance a little bit here. All right. Now, I want you to pay close attention. Right now, it's a three-on-three, three, okay? There are players, there are white jerseys, and there are green. I know they're teal. We're just going to call them green. Everybody's accounted for here, okay? It's a three-on-three. Three. You got Dreisaitl coming back. I want you to pay close attention to Evander Kane here, okay? This is the guy I want you to look at, right? Right here. Right there. That's the guy, okay? Keep your eye on him. Let's move it forward here. Just a little bit. Let's move it. Da -da 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 -da. All right. Right here. We stop. Again, so far, so good, Edmonton. Ish. Everybody is accounted for. The guy at the top here. Right there, it's Thomas Hurdle. He's the guy who's going to score, by the way. I, I know, spoiler alert. Okay? But again, let's pay attention right here to Evander Kane. This is your guy, Evander. When you're coming back, you got to account for the guy who is tailing at some point. Because he's the closest guy to you. Take a number. Everybody else is accounted for here. In the middle, accounted for. I think that's Kulak. I think that's Vinny Darnay right here. Dreisaitl's got his guy. It's the defenseman at the point. Everybody's accounted for. Now, the defenseman takes a shot. Right there. Boom. Now, it's unfortunate. It hits his own guy, and then it just bounces. But again, everybody is accounted for here. And Evander Kane is just, this man is just mailing it in. He is mailing it in. Harder. I mean, look. Evander Kane is playing... The same amount of defense as I do in my Thursday night league, which is not much, okay? You're a professional NHL player. You got to be good on defense. I am not. Sometimes we play at 1030. My commitment to defense is not there, okay? I'm just, look, I'm just going to say it. A lot of you who have played with me, I'm not telling you something you haven't heard before, okay? But still, that is your guy, Evander. That is your guy. And then doesn't happen. What happens? Boom, off. There's Hurdle. And then we got, I know you can't really, look at that. There, right there. Look, we got Evander Kane with the long stick. Just like, oh, maybe I'll get him if I had, you know, an extra four inches on my stick. Maybe I could stop it. And then boom, it ends up in the back of the net. I'm going to play this out to, for you guys so you can see exactly how bad it is. All right, let's right there. Boom. Sam Gagne is right there. Start it up. In real time, Evander Kane comes in, takes one stride, and then doesn't do anything. 
Shout out, by the way, to Michael Clifford uh, at Slim Cliffy on Twitter for pointing it out. Uh, th- th- that's just not, I'm just, we're just going to roll that again, okay? Roll that again. Look at this. Look at the commitment of defense here from, from Evander Kane. Absolutely none. There's nothing, nothing Stuart Skinner can do from there, okay? Shoot back here. Nothing. You can, look, I know it's been tough for goaltenders in Edmonton. And the reason it's been tough is because you have no commitment to the defensive zone structure. And when you look at teams that have won the Stanley Cup previous, their commitment to defense has been really good. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? We're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. We're talking about the Colorado Avalanche. Those teams have been really good defensively. Okay? Maybe with the exception of Colorado, because Colorado has an elite defense. I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights have elite defense. I think Alex Petrangelo is an above-average defenseman. And, you know, the rest of that team kind of plays in. Shea Theodore is there to provide the offense and whatnot. But the guys like Alec Martinez, the guys like Braden McNabb that are there, the rest of the game, they are good defensively. And the rest of that team is good defensively as well. The forwards play a part in that. (coughs) So at some point, you say to yourself, well, how is this going to change? You could fire Jay Woodcroft if you want. Personally, I don't think he's here come next week. I don't think so. I don't think Jay Woodcroft's going to be here next week. It is extremely easy to just fire the coach and say, hey, it's not working, man. We're going to bring in somebody else with a different, different mindset, different strategy, different way of doing things. You can do that. But the fact of the matter is, is none of these players are committed to playing defense. And if you don't buy into that theory, it's not going to change. And the reason that most people didn't worry about it before is because McDavid and Dreisaitl were on historic paces. The Edmonton Oilers had one of the best power plays in recent histories. The, you know, McDavid had 150 plus points. Dreisaitl was just as good. Nugent Hopkins had 100 points. His team had 300 point players. So it masks a lot of that struggle. When you're possessing the puck and putting it in the net at an exceptionally high rate, your defense doesn't have to worry too much. Why would you? You're scoring goals. You're scoring four or five five a night. Now you're not. Now you're not. And look, can Jack Campbell be a little bit better? Sure. I don't think there's anything wrong with sending him down to Bakersfield. Like, let him play. Let him work through whatever he's got to work to. He went to Bakersfield, by the way, lost 4-1. Didn't look good. But anyways, give him the opportunity to go out there and just work through the kinks, okay? Nobody was going to claim him, all right? Nobody's going to claim him. And let Stuart Skinner figure it out. If that's the guy who you think is going to be here long-term, let him figure it out. But on most nights, the Edmonton Oilers team defense leaves their goalie out to dry. And there's only so much a goalie can do. Like, the, he, unless he stands on his head, it's, it, he's still not going to be able to do enough here. So I don't think the fix here is to go out and get a goalie. You could have the best goalie in the league. You could put Ilya, you could put Ilya Samson, no, sorry, Ilya Sorokin on this team. Ilya Samsonov, holy Ilya Samsonov shouldn't even be the second goalie in Toronto, let alone anywhere else. 
But you can put Ilya Sorokin on this team and he would look terrible. And you can go out and get better defensemen if you want, sure. But the fact of the matter is, is that offense is not committed to playing in their own zone. And until they do that, I think of this team as the year the Washington Capitals went on their Stanley Cup run and how Ovechkin was committed to playing a better team defense. His numbers may have not been there, but the team defense was. And that's how they got to win that Stanley Cup. And I think it's the same story for the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. That's right. We're not getting off. We're not getting off here, Toronto. No, 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 no. Sit down. Sit down. I'm going to gaslight you guys too. That's right. Until the Leafs learn to play team defense, they're not going to win very many games or they're not going to win the Stanley Cup at least. And I guess for the Leafs case, the difference is I think there are, you know, John Klingberg is hurt right, right now. So that helps. And they're dealing with some injuries on the back end that I think once those players come back, make things a little bit better. But you still need to commit to team defense. I also think that, like, Joseph Wall is a good goalie, yet his outline numbers are not very good. I think he's got like a 2.9 goals against average, 9-0-something save percentage, which is fine. But it's not elite in the NHL. It's just fine. And a goalie in Toronto can't be fine because that defense stinks. It stinks. Giordano's 40 years old. We need to send John Klingberg to Robidai Island. We need to bury that contract and never see it again. And it's funny because the Leafs are up against the salary cap. The same thing with the Edmonton Oilers. And they're out here just making piss poor choices. Is it like People are like, oh, just why don't they trade for a goalie or a defense? They, they have no cap space. Like As of, again, today, right? Like what is Ken Holland going to do? They have exactly $25,000 in cap space. 25000 At the deadline, deadline cap space right now, 95000 what are you going to do with 25 Gs? So in order for you to go out and get a player, you got to move some money. Who's taking Jack Campbell back? And if you do send that, then you got to send an asset, right? You got to find one of those bottom feeder teams and say, hey, man, take Jack. Take that money, right? Like, like Jack Campbell's got a couple more years on his deal. Well, where are we at? We're in what, year two of five? Does that make sense, right? Stuart Skinner's getting his 2.65. Jack Campbell still has three more years after this year at $5 million. Who's taking that? Let's do one worse. Let's do Darnell Nurse. Nobody has taken Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse is making $9.25 million this year. And he's got that for one, two, three, four, five, I think six until the end of 2029-2030. million million for Darnell Nurse for the, the foreseeable future. No one's taking that money back. So you're kind, you've kind of put yourself in a terrible situation. And look, you knew this, Edmonton. You knew what you were getting into when all this happened, by the way. Okay, This isn't new. Like, Matthias Ekholm, I think, still has to find his game, but it's not on him alone. Evan Bouchard is not there to play defense. We know that. So his minutes are limited, and he's a power play specialist. And he's done what we've asked him to do. We have. The kid's 24. Can he get a little bit better? Sure. Do I want him to be more more responsible in his own zone? Sure. 
can you ask him that as this guy who plays maybe second, third line pairing? Sure. But ideally, he plays 18 to 20 minutes a night, and that's all you ask from him. Cody CC, Brett Kulak, Vincent Theronet. Like, okay. It is what it is. So you need your forwards to do something. You need them to be decent. You need the rest of the gang to show up and play better. And that has just not been the case for this team. So you can fire whoever you want. You can go out and make a whole bunch of trades. But the fact of the matter is, is firing your coach is not going to fix it. And trading for a whole bunch of players when you don't have any cap space isn't going to fix it either. Or if it does, it's extremely short-term because now you have to mortgage a little bit of the future in order to move on from some of those terrible deals. So what's the fix, Chris? Guys in the room. It starts with McDavid and Dreisaitl. I get you're a little bit pissed off, right? Don't take it out on the reporter, right? It just, I understand that. But you guys got to be the first one in and the last one out, right? We heard all this talk about guys showing up early to training camp, putting in the work, and this is the product we get. You guys got to be the first one to drag this team to where it needs to be. You got to be at the top. And you got to get everybody else to buy in, right? If you ever seen The Last Dance, right? The NBA documentary on Netflix. You got to be the Michael Jordan. You got to drag that team with you, right? McDavid can be dry. Uh, McDavid can be Jordan. Dreisaitl can be Pippen. But you got to be the first one in and the last one out. You got to set the example. Because again, McDavid, if you're not going to score goals, you're going to have to be really good in your defensive zone. And that hasn't been the case either. So this team's got to buy into it. And I, I don't believe that Jay Wood, like Jay Woodcroft is going to pay for it because it's just easy to fire the coach. It's easy. Bring somebody else in with a new voice. But like, what's the difference between last year and this year? Are players just like, F it, I'm not doing it? No. And if they are, then why would they do it for somebody else? They know they're the problem. And I think that's why Ken Holland hasn't fired him just yet. Some are saying, well, when they get back from their road trip, they'll can him. All right. So maybe he gets canned Monday or Tuesday. And the same way we saw that happen with Bruce Boudreaux. Remember when you knew he was going to get canned? And what an, an absolutely just gut-wrenching feeling it must have been to a coach to know he's going to get fired? Maybe Jay Woodcroft knows it's coming. Maybe we're just trying to get there. They're on the road, and then they come back, and then they say, hey, man, sorry about it. Maybe. Maybe that's how it goes. But it's not going to fix the problem. This team needs to commit to playing better in their own zone. And maybe that's sacrificing a couple of points here and there, right? Personal points, goals and assists. Maybe we don't see McDavid hit 150 plus points. Maybe Dreisaitl doesn't hit 130 plus points. Maybe they don't have three players on the roster with 100 plus points. But if they play better in their own zone, they play better as a team and everybody commits to doing it, you as well, Evander Kane, then you'll be just fine. But you can't have scenarios like the one that we saw here with Kane just gliding. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, homie. I I immediately saw myself in there. I immediately did. I looked at it, I was like, man, if I think it's bad defensively, oh. Again, my theory is if you score a goal, you don't have to worry about backchecking. All right? But again, I play Thursdays. I play Mondays and Thursdays really late. All right? It just, look. The defensemen are there. The goalies are there. You you guys pay to do your jobs. All right? I'm not an NHL player. 
my commitment is still like later on in the game, you know, I step up. I got some, you know, I got some oof in my step. I can get back there and cover my guy in my own zone, make sure that I'm not letting the guy scot-free sitting in the slot takes a nice high-danger scoring chance. I know, but it, I'm not a Vander Kane. Vander Kane is different. My team is also not losing. I got, you know, really good Thursday. Our Thursday team, really good. Our Monday team, really good as well. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's how I see it. I'll play with some great players too as well, especially on Monday nights. I do. Shout out to Deke. Shout out to Jeff. Uh, I got some good line mates. So, but still, all of that, all of that saying, the Edmonton Oilers have to be a better team and they have to commit to playing defense as a team. If not, they're nowhere near the playoffs and we're going to see this team just stick to the bottom of the barrel here. It is embarrassing that they lost to San Jose, but San Jose just played better. They played better. That was it. No excuses. The Edmonton Oilers are a poor hockey team today, and if they don't commit to defense, they're going to be a poor hockey team for the entire year. So strap in, Edmonton Oilers fans. Strap in. It'll be a really long year. So that is the Edmonton Oilers. That, ladies and gentlemen, lose the episode for this week. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate you being here. Uh, I love you guys a ton. Obviously, you know that. Thank you for all the support. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure, like I said, you follow the podcast on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Slapshot Pod. Hit the sub button, ring the bell. I appreciate you. You head over to Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. You click the link tree. You'll see everywhere you can get the podcast. It's on Stitcher. It's on uh, Podbean. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts, I think, or whatever the Android, whatever the platform is. I am an iPhone boy, so I don't, I don't care about it. But wherever else you get it, you can go ahead, hit the sub button there as well. Follow, all right? Please do it for me. Do it for Milo. Specifically do it for Milo. He is still here. Uh, he's been a good boy today, so do it for Milo, if anything. Uh, as always, I appreciate you. You can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. You can follow the TikTok as well. Slapshot Podcast on TikTok. You can continue. I, I mean, it's just, look, man, I'm just gaslighting. Just, you know, that's it. Going to put some nice little stuff up there. I appreciate all the haters there as well. Go ahead and follow. Make sure you drop a like on whatever the TikTok is there. All right. I love you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Another salute from Milo. Thank you, Milo. What do we say? We say thank you? No? Now we're not very talking. All right. But from myself, from Milo, thank you so much for hanging out with me. All right. See you guys soon.